0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host... Ryan Fowler, and welcome into Week 4 Recap. Washington Commanders traveled up to Philadelphia yesterday and overtime loss of 34-31 to the Philadelphia Eagles. Guys, there is a lot to get into today. I know it's a little bit of a somber Monday after the game yesterday, but for me, guys, I'm extremely excited. I'm extremely happy. You could say I'm proud of this roster for the way that they battled their ass off Yesterday, up in Philadelphia, it was not easy. A divisional game on the road, Sam Howell's first divisional matchup ever on the road. We saw him, of course, last year start his first game home against Dallas, where a game that didn't mean anything. But this game meant something. And you could say it meant everything to Sam Howell and the way that he played yesterday towards the potential of this offense moving forward. At the end of the day, 34 points allowed by this defense is not good after allowing 37 the week before. We will get into that. We're going to take the layers back of everything here. If you're new here, we get down to the nitty gritty on this podcast. The nuts and bolts of everything. We're not just looking at box scores, see who had tackles, see who had a sack, see who caught passes, how many passes the quarterback complete. Compared to how many he attempted. How many yards does he have? No, 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 no. We're going to dive into certain situations and moments in this ball game. We're going to go through drives where I had notes from first quarter, fourth quarter, and overtime. To where I think Washington was excellent. Where they were average. And where they were below average. And where they could have improved to ultimately sway the pendulum of this football game. To where they could have escaped with a win yesterday to move to 3-1 and and 1-0 in the division. Instead... Of now being 2-2, two two, losers of two straight, and now 0-1 in the division before hosting on a quick week on Thursday Night Football, the Chicago Bears who are winless at 0-4 after a ugly blown lead uh, to the to the Denver Broncos yesterday in Chicago at home, which was obviously an ugly loss for Chicago, but Justin Fields was excellent, their offense looked good. Um, and they had a little bit of a bounce back. They needed that, that ball game. And while we'll, we will wait to, to talk about Justin Fields and their offense until Wednesday. So I'm going to have a bunch of pods out for you guys this week, today. And on Wednesday, previewing the entire Chicago Bears roster. Today, we are focused on yesterday. Again, 34-31 overtime loss on the road in Philadelphia. A game that told me a lot about this Burgundy and Gold roster in all three phases. Because we're going to get into the special teams as well with Tress Way to where he right now is not good enough. The special teams unit, they mentioned it on the broadcast yesterday as far as one of the worst units in football. And I thought it was a little bit of an overzealous statement at that point. But when I watch Tress Way, especially that late second half in overtime, it's not good. And Washington has got to improve on special teams, specifically... We've seen the long snapping issues, and now with Tressway just not being the pro-bowler Tressway that we've seen, uh, moving forward, it got to be better. So let's get into this full game recap. Bottom line, we're going to start on offense, and we're going to start with number 14, Sam Howell, 29 for 41, 290 yards and a touchdown, a near 100 quarterback rating yesterday. I don't know what else there is to say about Sam Howell other than his constant ability to no matter what happens around him he is able to consistently get up and make plays. No matter if he's sacked, no matter if he's battered and bruised, no matter if there's a penalty, doesn't matter if he has his damn helmet ripped off, he consistently is able to get up on a first down, second down, third down, whatever situation, and continue to make throws at a variety of depths. No matter if there's a guy in his face, no matter if the guy is covered on the outside, his ability to throw receivers open, which I saw a ton yesterday, Logan Thomas over the middle of the field, the touchdown to Jahan Dotson, throwing it to his back shoulder, away from Josh Job, having inside leverage on that, on that coverage with two seconds on the clock. Just really high-level advanced quarterbacking from Sam Howell yesterday. And he looked like a franchise guy throughout the afternoon. It was not perfect at times yesterday. It wasn't perfect. But when you keep Jalen Carter and Brandon Graham, and Derek Barnett, and really, I know Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat both got on the sack sheet yesterday. But they were relatively quiet. Their headliner was Nicholas Moreau coming down from the second level where he had three sacks. That's another thing we'll get into as far as Washington's defense in comparative to Philadelphia's defense where both units have dominant front fours. But Philadelphia yesterday, led by defensive coordinator Sean Desai, did not get spoiled with just rushing four and saying, you guys have to get home. He sent extra pressure throughout the afternoon to where those A and B gaps, even though Washington's front five did a damn good job, in my opinion, yesterday, I thought they did a damn good job. Now, five sacks allowed isn't perfect. It's not perfect in that game in retrospect. But from what we've seen the first three weeks, they did a damn good job and much better than we saw against Arizona, Denver, and, of course, Buffalo, Last week. So, bottom line, guys, Sam Howell yesterday was just flat out fantastic, and the steps that he continues to take from getting the ball out quickly, we saw a little bit of the screen game yesterday, getting the ball out early to Terry McLaurin in that first quarter. Terry had ten targets. I'm so happy to see Terry eclipse the double digit target uh, mark for a first time in a long time. It feels like eight catches, 86 yards. That first down, that first drive, excuse me, was flat out outstanding. 14 plays, seven plus minutes to get on the board there with that Curtis Samuel jet motion to the left side of the formation. Just pretty, walk-in touchdown for number four. Was happy to see him involved. I previewed him in the pregame podcast as far as with the corners that Philadelphia had with Darius Slay and James Bradbury, Curtis Samuel was going to have to have a big game. And his lone carry came on that touchdown in the first quarter, but he also had eight targets, caught seven of them, and had 51 yards, working within every depth, in a variety of alignments. He was on the outside. He was reduced inside to the slot. He was everywhere. And I love to see that because it does feel still feel like we're still thinking about the day in 2021 when Curtis Samuel was hurt for that basically that entire year, his first year when he came over following Ron Rivera really from Carolina he was excellent yesterday Jahan Dotson still remains a little bit uninvolved for me but it's crazy to think that he had nine targets yesterday second most on the team of course just one less than Terry but he only caught four and 27 yards now he showed up when it mattered most of course that touchdown with two seconds on the clock to get it to a, obviously one point before Joey Sly tied it up with that extra point um, working over Josh Doe at the end of that fourth quarter was excellent. He showed up when he needed most. But Jahan Dotson still remains uninvolved from a numbers perspective and a production perspective and a consistency perspective within this offense. And they need some more from him. I don't know if that's maybe a Sam Howell thing right now. If he's not open, he's not open. We can go back into the tape and check it out. I have yet to watch the All-22 of this game. But from what we saw yesterday in Philadelphia, Philadelphia played some darn good coverage on the back end. Darius Slay, James Bradbury, they're not a slouch. We saw Reed, Reed Blankenship make some plays at the second level. They got some players on the back end. Josh Job, they picked on him. I'm glad they did. He's an below average corner in the NFL. But flat out, I am just happy with how Washington showed up yesterday because I know it's a loss. In the win-loss column towards this season and as we move four five six seven weeks down the line a lot of people are going to forget about this game if Washington continues to challenge in ball games and win ball games I mean you look at Washington's next three games with hosting the Bears and you got the Falcons and the Giants all those games look winnable and would it have been nice to sit three and one right now and you look at those three games and say wow Washington really has a chance to get to 6-1 and and win that Giants game and quickly work to 2-0 in the division, yeah, that's probably wishful thinking a little bit because the Falcons are no slouch. The Bears are an NFL team. Justin Fields and DJ Moore are a combination that is dynamic in this league. No matter how good or how bad you could say the Bears have been, obviously they've yet to win a game. Their defense is more so the issue, but again, we'll get into that later this week. But Washington's ability to not just show up, but show up and compete... And that first drive to take over seven minutes of the clock to just wear down that Philadelphia defense to where Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Nolan Smith. We saw Nolan Smith get attacked, unblocked on that Curtis Samuel jet sweep on that touchdown. He was the most dominant pro-ready edge defender in this rookie class coming out of Georgia this year and, may, and Eric Biennium on that concept made him look like a fool he had no clue where the ball was go back and watch that play Curtis Samuel running at Nolan Smith Nolan Smith tries to come down the line scrimmage and the ball is out the back side to Curtis obviously to the perimeter with lead blockers in front of him at the end at the goal line Nolan Smith had no clue where the ball was. And attacking that front four specifically, their rotation of six, seven guys, they just keep coming in waves. But the ability of the enemy from a great game script perspective to get it out of Sam's hands quickly, which is also on Sam to understand what they're doing on the outside. We saw some soft coverage from them, especially in that first half to where he's dinking and dunking six, seven, 10, nine, here and there across the board. Here's Terry, Here's Logan. De'Ami Brown had some involvement. Two catches, 51 yards. He spread the ball around. I mean, we're just going to look at guys who... who, All guys that had one reception. John Bates, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, Byron Pringle, Jahan Dotson, Logan Thomas, De'Ami Brown, Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. Every single one of those guys had at least one catch. That is nine skill players. Running backs, tight ends, and receivers. Nine guys. It was good to see Byron Pringle get some opportunities. I know late in that ballgame they took a shot play with him on a double move on the outside on Darius Slay. Okay, maybe you'd like to see Terrier on that route or De'Ami or Jahan Dotson or Curtis Samuel. Okay, but in that scenario, I like that shot because Philly's defense is most likely thinking Byron Pringle, he's not running a double move on me right now. So I like that idea from Eric Bieniemy. Now, granted, there was a certain situation in that first half to when... Philadelphia sent a blitz to the A-gap. They got home at Nicholas Moreau. They ran uh, cover zero on the back end, meaning everybody was manned up across the entire formation. And Jahan Dotson was one-on-one down the seam. I would have liked to see Sam Howell quickly get the ball out of his hands and loft it up to number one to try to see if he could make a play on that, not taking a sack, of course. I believe that was on third down. Little sort of situations here and there I'd like to see a little bit better of. I mean, in the run game, Brian Robinson... 14 attempts, 45 yards, 3.2 a pop. Not going to do it. Got in the end zone. Okay. It's good to see. But at the end of the day, three yards a pop isn't great. Sam Howell had 40 yards on the ground. A couple of those times on third down where he just, I mean, really the best phrase for it, guys, is just he just nutted up. That's what Sam Howell did and took the play into his own hands and said, look, I'm getting this first down. If I got to run through somebody, if I got to run around somebody, or I got to go over somebody, I am getting this first down. He's a gamer. Sam Howell is a gamer. He's kind of boxy and a confidence under center that not only is fun to watch, but from a locker room perspective and winning a locker room over as a second-year quarterback and really a guy in his rookie season – From a starter's perspective in this offense, it is awesome to see. People rally around that crap. They do. They rally around it. A little bit too much east-west in the the RPO game for me. Against fast defenses, against a fast front seven, you try to avoid east-west runs because of how fast they are laterally. Brian Robinson, as much as I love B-Rob, I know you guys love him, how physical he can be. He ran over a multiplicity of defenders yesterday. Josh Job. I think it was Reed Blankenship in that second half. Uh, Terrell Edmonds. He's just a big physical ball carrier that you don't want to take down. And you're especially one on one down the tracks, and, and 225 plus pound Brian Robinson's coming down it. Good luck. And hope your pads are strapped up. But more, there's a, there's a lot of. Rushes to the forehold, the outside shoulder of Sam Cosme at right guard. A little bit too much of that. A little bit stagnant at times to where on first down, there was nothing or they lost a yard or two. That when Now you're pushing yourself into second and 11, second and 12. I don't want to see that. So more just north-south running with Brian Robinson in the backfield. Um, obviously, Chris Rodriguez was inactive. Antonio Gibson was not involved from a ball carrier's perspective. I mean, look, six carries, but 19 yards. Guys, he's just... As a ball carrier right now, I don't know, again, what to expect from Antonio Gibson because in the passing game, one catch, seven yards on one target. So he's out there. He's getting work. He has snaps um, and he had some touches. But what really is the future for Antonio Gibson? That beautiful catch on third down that he had reaching back to his right, the lone catch. Beautiful play on third down. Washington needed that play. Sam Howell escaping from the pocket. Really nice job. Great job making that play, but that's where he's best. How many times have I said it on this podcast? I know you guys have heard it. Antonio Gibson in space. He was a receiver in college. So him making that play was, for some, it was, wow, that's a great catch. Well, this is Antonio Gibson's ability. He's got good hands. It's so what he's done his entire life. Growing up in high school, going to Memphis in college, obviously made a transition to Washington to running back but he's got to be that flex weapon because there was none of Cole Turner yesterday. Nothing. John Bates, nothing. Logan Thomas, good to see you back, 82. It's, it was nice to have him back over the middle of the field. Again, three catches for 41 yards. His longest on that 27-yard hookup over the middle of the field on that beautiful throw by Sam Howell. He got rocked again, and they called a flag on that. I believe it was on Terrell Edmonds. I don't know what it is about Logan Thomas. It's being 6'8", coming down to where he's tucking after the catch. Guys are just lower, and they're coming down trying to hit his chest plate, and his head's coming down. He just keeps getting hit in the damn head. So hopefully Logan can avoid that moving forward because Washington needs him on the football field, obviously, as they're far and away best tight end. But overall, this offensive structure, I loved it. Right, You're up 17-7 early in that, in that second quarter, obviously. Then Philadelphia scored. On four, uh, they scored, they had that field goal by, by Jake Elliott. That had a 47-yarder, 41, 47-yarder. The 59-yard hookup uh, from Jalen Hurts to A.J. Brown. Then another field goal from Jake Elliott. Quickly got it to 24-17 as you work back into early portions of that fourth quarter. Um, but overall, guys, this offense is continuing to take steps. And you can see the speed bumps from each and every week. I mean, you saw last week with four picks. Sam Howell comes back and he doesn't turn over the football and has the lone touchdown pass at an just an unbelievable time of the game on the road to where that is not easy and I'm sure the nerves were going uh, for Sam Howell yesterday but want to flip over to the defensive side of the ball before we really get into specific notes of this football game uh welcome to the NFL Emmanuel Forbes first round pick out of Mississippi State was not a pretty afternoon for number 13. There were opportunities there for him in that ball game to make a couple plays in the football. That Devontae Smith catch at the end of the first half, you can call it a great play by Devontae Smith. I mean, the guy rose up. He was in position to make a play, but Emmanuel Forbes batted it really into his stomach. And then Devontae just really cradled it and went to the ground. I mean, hell of an effort by number six, but he didn't catch that pass. Emmanuel Forbes, watch it. It hits off his arm. He swats it down into the hands of Devontae Smith who then cradles it to the ground it wasn't a play where he rises up and catches it with his hands above somebody and then falls to the ground but there was a little bit too much of Emmanuel Forbes on A.J. Brown yesterday and this is something that we talked about when Washington took Emmanuel at that time over Christian Gonzalez the AFC rookie defensive player of the month by the way back in April and I'm not going to sit here and say that Emmanuel has been bad he has not been bad But yesterday was a welcome to the NFL moment. A.J. Brown is one of the more physically impressive receivers in football. Got a nice combination of physicality, strength, and obviously that speed that he has, especially after the catch within that 0-10 to yard range of the offense. But Philadelphia, from an offensive perspective yesterday, led by offensive coordinator Brian Johnson, they tried him a lot on the perimeter and using his eyes and instincts and ball skills and willingness to make a play downhill against him double moves consistently almost every drive they were testing him with a double move didn't matter if it was Olamide Zaccheaus or A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith it did not flat out matter when they had Emmanuel Forbes in one-on-one coverage with little help over the top they were testing him on double moves testing his eyes that touchdown catch from A.J. Brown, that 59-yard hookup, the way in which Emmanuel Forbes was chasing A.J. Brown on that play, just kind of weaving in between the defenders as it creeped towards the goal line. Emmanuel Forbes is a 4-3 runner, guys. I didn't see that yesterday. Long strider, ability, obviously, to make any type of play on the football. His ball skills are, I've I mentioned it so many times, are out of this world. But I didn't see that 4-3 speed, the length within the contact window show up a lot yesterday. And at 170, 175 pounds soaking wet, I mean, you can say whatever you want about his weight. I mean, unless he ate a dozen Krispy Kreme glazed donuts yesterday before the game, I mean, the guy's probably 170 pounds. That's what he's going to play at. But it was a welcome to the league rook moment for him. And it will only help him. We saw him going back and forth a little bit. Him and A.J. Brown just just talking smack, shooting it a little bit. I like that. I like to have a little swagger about yourself and confidence on the outside. I like to see that about his game. But at the end of the day, the numbers haven't come out as far as his direct numbers in coverage as a primary man in coverage, but it ain't pretty. I can tell you that. So big step moving forward for him, moving into next week, of course, where, look, the Bears don't have a Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown combo or Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, combo or a Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy combo that we've seen the last three weeks, but they do have DJ Moore, who's a really talented young receiver, obviously coming over from Carolina this offseason. And yesterday there was a point in time to where I kind of scratched my head at Jack Del Rio as to why Benjamin St. Juice or more so Kendall Fuller was not switched on to AJ Brown because it was ugly And Kendall Fuller has been dominant the first three games of the season heading into yesterday and really wasn't tested a lot yesterday at all. Made some really good plays. He's just a veteran that's been really good the last 10 plus games that he's been a Washington commander. I've given Kendall Fuller so much crap on this podcast for you guys that have been here since we started this thing years ago. But he's shown up and he's playing a high level on the outside a really high level and he is cb1 on this roster right now it is not emmanuel forbes and it is not benjamin st Just. the length and the strength of st Just has to show up in games like that look back to the first game last year against philadelphia in washington benjamin st Juice again aj against aj brown had a really nice day other than aj brown dragging him into the end zone in that football game which everybody made a big deal about but it's aj brown guy he's a big strong dude that's his game bullying, embodying opposing corners. But you drafted St. Just out of Minnesota, big, strong kid, really nice length. I've I've always mentioned the 33 plus inch arms, which is so important on the outside. It's why they valued Emmanuel Forbes so much. He has long arms as well. The length is so important. I wanted to see him more on AJ Brown and Kendall Fuller as well. And Philadelphia consistently was able to create those matchups on the perimeter to where they were just a lot of slants, a lot of quick hitters, some screens on the outside, and then second and two after rushing for seven, eight yards. We're going to take a shot play deep, and they did it a bunch. Jalen Hurts heading into that football game was three for 12 with two touchdowns and two picks on throws 20 yards beyond uh, twenty plus yards or more, of course, beyond the line of scrimmage. Yesterday, he was damn good with a deep ball. I mean, now I could make that throw if they were as open as they were yesterday. I mean, there were five yards of space between Emmanuel Forbes at times, specifically with A.J. Brown. So that is an area where Washington has to improve. And two things for me stand out as well, because leaving Emmanuel Forbes on an island, you drafted him to do so, maybe not in his first matchup against A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, but I look at Washington's second round pick, Inquan Martin, who had zero defensive snaps yesterday, 19 snaps on special teams. And this is now, with Phil Mathis last year being Washington's second rounder, this is now back-to-back years where Washington's early day two pick has not shown up. Now, I know Phil Mathis, it's different scenarios, right? Different circumstances. Phil's hurt. He's expected to be back soon. I can't wait to see him back because another big body within the interior is only going to keep John Allen and Ron Payne fresh. But another athlete over the middle of the field and within the deeper second level, if you have to, would have helped a lot yesterday for Washington. For Washington excuse me. You drafted him for a reason out of Illinois. To come in, most likely play that nickel spot and play some high-low for you. And make life tough for opposing tight ends, receivers that are in the slot, and someone that can play the edges of the defense against the run. Because at times, yesterday, Philadelphia was churning it a little bit with DeAndre Swift. I mean, his numbers were average. 14 carries, 56 yards, about 4 yards a pop. Jalen Hurts only carried it. He carried it 9 times, 34 yards, for about 4 yards a pop. Kenneth Gainwell had 14 yards on 3.5 a pop. So the run game was holstered yesterday by this defensive front for Washington, but another athlete within that second level is what Washington drafted Quan Martin for. And we're already guys a month into the season. And I know he went out yesterday with a thumb injury, but this is also now to where he's consistently battling staying on the football field. You cannot miss on top. Well, first off, first round picks, you can't. But second, third, top 100 picks, bottom line, you can't miss on. And beyond Emmanuel Forbes, the only other rookie that's had any sort of impact you could say has been Chris Rodriguez or Andre Jones on special teams because KJ Henry wasn't active yesterday. And Ricky Stromberg got a couple snaps earlier in the year at guard when Sam Cosney went out but he's not been involved. Braden Daniels is out for the year. So this rookie class, when you look at it right now, not really good returns for Washington. Not good returns at all. It's just been Emmanuel Forbes. And Quan Martin has got to get on the damn football field. Because the linebackers yesterday, Cody Barton played every single snap on defense. 100% of the snaps. Jamin Davis, at times made plays. That little swing pass. On third down, late in that ball game, the angle that he took for DeAndre Swift to scoot down the slide line, that angle was terrible. But I like what I've seen from Damon Davis earlier in this game, early in the season, excuse me. I'm not gonna get on number 52's butt and say he's been terrible. But at that time, his speed's gotta show up. And that angle that he took was terrible. That stuff that we saw in his rookie season to where it was a lot of terrible angles and stuff was scooting out the backside. And he was just playing like a bull in a china shop, just trying to win off athleticism and not actually thinking about what's going on in front of him. He's got to be better too. But Cody Barton at times was ugly as well. I mean, Cody Barton covering Devontae Smith on a crosser. Holy hell, what a matchup. Good luck. You don't want that. But when you have a guy like Quan Martin, you draft him. If you want to run a 4-1-6 to where you're having six DBs on the field yesterday where you just have one linebacker, that's where defenses are moving to, guys, nowadays. They play in sub, sub packages. You don't have your traditional 4-3 defenses with three linebackers on the field. We saw a lot of it yesterday on either side, right, with Jamin and Cody for Washington and Nicholas Moreau and Zach Cunningham from Philadelphia's perspective. But teams live a lot of the time with six DBs on the field, Because of how athletic and how unique offenses have become with how they use running backs in the passing game and how they use tight ends nowadays, not just stretching the seam, but on screen plays as blockers chipping and then scooting out to the flat areas, running wheel routes, dominant guys in the red zone. You draft Quan Martin for that reason. He and Brian Branch, you could say, were the top two nickel corners. For me, Brian Branch by a ton. Detroit got him and he's been a hell of a rookie for them so far. But Quan has to get on the football field. We saw it a lot yesterday over the middle of the field. Their tight ends were not heavily involved. But over the middle of the field, more athletes at a variety of levels and especially playing within the contact window and being physical and forcing guys off the line of scrimmage. They needed more of that yesterday. And when you take a step up to the front four, because everything correlates on defense, Washington has to send pressure at a higher rate. Jack Del Rio has got to stop getting spoiled with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, and John Allen. Look, I understand it. Four guys, four first rounders, but that is the best offensive line in football. And four against five, that unit... We mentioned at the top, or excuse me, the pregame podcast, Cam Jurgens at right guard, who eventually went out in that game, and Sua Opeta, former UDFA in 2019, stepped in and played that entire second half at right guard. He holstered John Allen, Deron Payne, John Ridgway, Abdullah Anderson, any blitzers that Washington did send the entire game. But but Washington did send pressure. Some free runners, saw Derek Forrest come through that B gap late in that second half, made a nice play in the football. Those are things you have to do more. You just have to do more of it. You draft the guys in the back end to play better man coverage. What does that mean? Well, let's send more pressure. They didn't yesterday. I and mean, Cam Curl had a sack, John Allen had a sack. Really good to see Chase Young back on the sack sheet. Really nice outside shoulder. Uh, rush against Jordan Mailata just using his speed around the edge we saw it a ton of him in his rookie season of course coming out of Ohio State he loves threatening um, excuse me that yeah that outside shoulder just that just that speed rush and and using his hands and getting Mailata's hands off of him and working back to the pocket and bringing down Jalen Hurts really nice to see from number 99 yesterday but Montez Sweat was relatively quiet Deron Payne was relatively quiet Not asking them to be superheroes every single game. They have that ability to do so. But making life easier on them and sending five, sending six, sending seven, who knows? Gotta make life more chaotic inside the pocket. And next week, when we see Justin Fields, you think Jalen Hurts likes to run. Justin Fields didn't run a ton yesterday against the Denver Broncos, but he will scoot out the backside. And you'll quickly look up at the end of the first quarter or the first half when he's got over 100 rushing yards on you. And we saw it at times yesterday on that third down. James Smith-Williams late in that ball game, not disciplined and slowing down his feet. And Jalen Hurts scoots out the backside for, what, 25, 30-yard run. That cannot happen. James Smith-Williams had Hurts dead to rights. Slow your feet down, understand your angles, and just, if anything, keep him in the pocket. If you can't bring him down, keep him inside the tackle box. And just lets them scoot right outside uh, of the pocket and for a massive game on that third down. It cannot happen. I believe that was in the fourth quarter. I'm going back to my notes here. Yeah, that was 24-24 with eight minutes left on the clock. And James Smith-Williams just lets Jalen Hurts escape right outside the pocket. Obviously a humongous, humongous drive where Washington ultimately, glad that that play did not come back to hurt Washington. They got off the field uh, on that play with Forbes getting tested on back-to-back plays to end that drive and get off the field. But James Smith-Williams, you got a guy in your sights just one-on-one. You have to get the quarterback to the ground. There's just really no excuse there. But more pressure is needed from this front seven. And Quan Martin specifically, when I saw yesterday, 19 snaps on special teams. You don't draft a guy in the top 60 picks to be a special teams core contributor. You can do it. That's fine. But I also need you as a contributor, whether, wherever you're drafted, offense or defense. I need you on the football field. We saw a lot of Percy Butler yesterday, Derek Forrest, Cam Curl, the usual suspects in this defensive secondary. But you don't use a second round pick on a guy to just be a special teams contributor. I know at times you look back to that Cleveland game in the damn preseason and it was a rough one for Quan Martin. But learning under fire is exactly what Emmanuel Forbes has been ha- ha- having to do. He did it yesterday. I'm not pressing the panic button on a rough day against Emmanuel or, or A.J. Brown because Washington could have and probably should have won that football game as you move back in that late fourth quarter in overtime to where there's a lot of scenarios we're going to get into as far as why they ultimately lost that game. But right now, the sirens a little bit for me are, are rolling on Quan Martin, Got to get him on the football field. So, guys, let's go from first quarter to fourth quarter, just really quick. Certain things that that I wanted to uh, to focus on, and really, it starts again with Sam Howell um, early in that ball game. You have the fourth and one, Brian Robinson. I love it, right? Going for fourth down, Sam Howell pushing Brian Robinson uh, across to that first down. Just little things like that. I mean, you have the hold on, on Anthony Moreau on third down. I talked about these linebackers. They can't cover. Forcing them to work in space was a... We didn't see it a ton yesterday, but early in that game, you get a hold from the linebackers on third down, give Washington a first down. You could say the refs were a little ticky-tack yesterday. I'm not going to say the refs were ticky-tack, specifically because of the call they made. In overtime, Terry McLaurin, beautiful throw from Sam Howell, right by the sideline. Reed Blankenship's arm is on the ground. That should be a part of the ground. I'm not having any bias here. I promise you there's no bias. There was grass between Terry's toe and the sideline. May have been one or two little blades, but one or two blades is enough. Football is a game of inches. You guys have heard it forever. And that time, when you call it incompletion on the field and they didn't have conclusive evidence to overturn it, I also want to understand why we're in 2023 and every single replay that we see that comes down to, it's extremely tough. Those little things where you're having to zoom in that every picture looks like it's taken in 1804 on the damn Titanic. It's grainy as hell. This is 2023. We can't get any sort of nice camera. It's like someone took it from a damn Polaroid up in section 450 on those certain situations. We can't get any decent camera to really zoom in. If any of you guys watch tennis out there, if they look at a ball in play that they they can challenge if they think it's in or out, and they zoom in on the ball to where millimeters is the ball in or out on the edge line, you guys know what I'm talking about if you watch tennis. Where is that in the NFL? I mean, it's the most... It's the biggest organization from a revenue perspective. In all the big four, right? NFL, NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball. But when it comes to those situations in overtime of a game in week four, a divisional matchup, we can't get a clear picture as far as is Terry McLaurin's foot inbounds or not. Let's look at this grainy picture. I mean, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. For that. So that's an NFL issue. But hell of a throw, hell of a catch. Would have liked to seen, obviously, them make that a catch. Um and allow Washington to move down the field. I know some of you out there maybe thought that late in that fourth quarter, excuse me, in over... Yes, in this, late in that fourth quarter that Ron Rivera should have gone for two to end that football game. But after they drove down the field there, I believe it was 65 yards in like 80 seconds, they were gassed, guys. So I'm absolutely fine with them not, right? Attempting that, that two-point conversion, tying it up, you have all the momentum in the world and going into overtime to where that throw is beautiful. Just beautiful. Uh, from Sam Howell to Terry McLaurin. Just just gorgeous. I mean, you can't place it any better. And a lot of the situations yesterday where Sam Howell was throwing, where guys were in his face. Just just beautiful. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. Um, so as we move forward, again, we're going to go back. I you know we're in overtime now. We're going to go back um, to the early portions uh, of that football game. Again, the corners on the perimeter, whether it's screens, whether it's just little toss sweeps and guys are pulling against tight ends or receivers, Washington's secondary defenders have not been able to get off blocks at all early uh, in this season. I mean, Benjamin St. Just on that screen, I believe it's with Devonta Smith, Olamid Zacchaeus is blocking him like Zacchaeus was damn Jordan Milata or Lane Johnson on the perimeter. He's got to get off blocks. 33 inch arms against Olamid Zacchaeus. This guy about 190 pounds, Benjamin St. Andrews is a big dude. Throw him out of the club and and make a tackle. And We saw yesterday Kendall Fuller doing it himself on a screenplay on Devontae Smith as well. Taking on Zacchaeus, shedding him, and then making the tackle himself. Usually, when you're a corner, you usually try to engage, try to make something happen, but force him back inside to where the mess is coming from the linebackers and safeties closer to the field. But when you're able to just shed the tackle, shed their blocker, and then make the tackle yourself, like Kendall Fuller did yesterday, it's just another reason why number 29 in the perimeter, for me, has been far and away Uh, Washington's best uh, perimeter defender in the corners room, um, specifically. So you move into half at 17 10. What I loved about that first half, Washington had four drives, scored on three of them. In that first half, weren't all touchdowns. Again, Sam Howell didn't have a crazy productive day from a a numbers perspective. If you guys are fantasy guys out there, Sam Howell, only one touchdown, right? It's not going to really do it for you, but just watching him from a, just a scouting perspective and a production perspective and how he led this offense, he was damn good all afternoon against the Eagles yesterday afternoon in a really hostile environment up there in Philadelphia. Third quarter wasn't so pretty. As we know, Washington outgained. 162 to 18, guys, in that third quarter. 162 to 18. So that third quarter, as high as the spirits were early in that second quarter, we move forward to the later portions of the first half. I talk about that middle eight, last four of the second, first four of the third. It was ugly for Washington. Really couldn't get anything on offense. It's when they were taking their deep shots to AJ Brown. Run game was going a little bit. Jalen Hurts is feeling comfortable, not a lot of pressure. Some ticky-tack penalties. So that second, third quarter wasn't great. That middle portion of the football game were not great uh, for the Burgundy and Gold yesterday. But as they move forward towards the fourth fourth quarter, just a couple notes here. I had the the third down scramble to Antonio Gibson I mentioned earlier, just an outstanding play. And then then Washington converts that first down, doesn't do anything on first or second. Then they get to third down again and Sam Howell draws the penalty. Just huge play um, in that moment. The illegal formation on the sneak to Logan Thomas. Look, I know the NFL and college football specifically are a really all levels of of football. They're copycat leagues. People want to do what other things people want to copy other people as far as what they do offensively, defensively, what works, what is sexy, what is not the tush push, the brotherly shove. I don't give a damn what it's called. I'm tired of hearing it about that stupid fourth and one, fourth and two. Okay, it's a QB sneak, whatever, go. Do what you want to do. If you can't stop it, you can't stop it. I don't care. But all you did was hear hear about it every single time there was a short situation for the Eagles yesterday. And with Washington trying to say almost, oh, I can one-up you with Logan Thomas, former quarterback, 6'8", let him get under center and go. Really? I mean, we didn't need to do that. And in that moment, fourth quarter, you get the illegal formation, because De'Ami Brown was covering up John Bates on the on the fringes of that formation on that play. There's no need for that. Philadelphia wants to do the little tush push. Let them do it. That's fine. They can do it. They did it all last year and everybody loved to see it. And then they got to the Super Bowl and what happened? They lost. Everyone's all excited about doing it in September and October, November. I don't care about the tush push. I don't give a... I don't care, guys. Flat out do not care. I don't, don't Just flat out don't care. Big boys, they want to win the trenches? That's fine. They can do that. Landon Dickerson yesterday, had two penalties it was good to see. He was obviously had happy feet facing Deron Payne and John Allen. He was also had a false start on one of their, uh, conversions on those sh- third and fourth or short. They didn't call it, of course, I, whatever. Um, but the Logan Thomas stuff from an offensive perspective, let's, let's throw that out of the playbook. It really does not matter. Um, so as we move forward here uh, into this fourth quarter, um, Sadiq Charles had a really nice block uh, for Brian Robinson, climber to the second level. Just, I believe is that, that was his touchdown run. Uh, just really pretty. Uh, Sadiq Charles moving in space is really nice to see. At times. Sometimes he can get stagnant. Sometimes he looks like a fluid, oily, dancing bear in space. But on the and on that play... Sealing the edge, getting up to the second level. Linebacker's trying to come down and fill his alley, flip his hips, allow Brian Robinson run right off his backside inside that alley. Really, really pretty stuff from Sadiq Charles. Again, this offensive line, I tipped my cap to them yesterday. Charles Leno all the way over to the right side with Andrew Wiley. We saw Washington's running backs give him help against Hassan Reddick. The tight ends gave him help. That's fine. You got to do what you got to do. You know, when you got weapons like Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel on the outside, and we saw more of Diami Brown yesterday when Jahan went out. Um, for a couple of series, I believe, in that, that ball game. It was good to see him get some touches as well. And, of course, Byron Pringle, too, was active. And, and he got some touches uh, in that second half. Um, as we move forward, the shot to Pringle again on, I believe, was second down. Okay. I mean, I, I, it was fine in that certain scenario. 20-yard run on third and seven from Sam Howell was just huge. But then the crap happens. The crap comes back. And... It was just kind of deflates you a little bit. When you have such a big play on 20, a 20-yard 20 run from Sam Howell on third and seven. First down, you get nothing to Antonio Gibson. Second down, you allow a sack. Hassan Reddick's lone sack against Andrew Wiley. Then on third down, you get a false start. So quickly, you go from a huge play from your young quarterback to where vibes are high and you got momentum to then first down, second down, nothing. Third down, you get a false start in your third and 22. Just like that, in the blink of an eye. And it puts you out of anything, right? Sam Howell on that third and 22, ran off the right side, got five yards. But it's just really deflates you after making such a big play on third down. Um, as I move down here, I have some more. I have notes here on Quan Martin. Obviously, we, we already covered that. Khaliq Hudson, is he a football player or is he not? Is he just looking good in uniform or what are we doing with Khaliq Hudson? Does he want to play at the second level, a little middle of the field safety, Special teams core player, is he hurt? Well, what are we doing with Kalik Hudson? Because I like his athleticism a lot. And I mentioned it with Kwan. it's the same thing with Kalik. Kalik's bigger than Kwan, more physical, specifically working downhill in the running game. But more athletes are more athletes, and you have to have athletes in space at the NFL level, specifically defensively, within that 5- to 15-yard range of the offense before you really cap it off with your high safeties. But Kalik Hudson doesn't exist. And I thought he was someone's going to get more snaps this year in the defensive structure. And maybe we see more of it moving in the next few weeks. But more athletes in the middle of the field want to see him uh, potentially get some more opportunities, as it has not been perfect for Cody Barton and Jamin Davis the first month of the season. So let's get to the later portions of this football game, more so into overtime, right? That beautiful hookup from Sam Howell to Jahan Dotson. Can't say it enough. Just... Nail-biting, edge of your seat. We cannot just have a normal game in Washington. Or you looked at the Week One, down 16-10, big comeback against Denver, blowout against Buffalo. Really, just kind of was a Sunday of three hours that was just ugly, right, for a lot of it. Even though they were down just 16-0 in the fourth, I'm going to say it. So I'm blue in the face. And then yesterday, of course, the last-second touchdown to Jahan, to just, just a beautiful play. Really, I'm just so excited for Sam Howell in this offense uh, moving forward. But in overtime, that first run, Brian Robinson, again, right guard off Sam Cosme. Didn't work, was not there, hasn't been there all day. The Terry McLaurin drop, you could say, I mean, incomplete, not going to say drop. Caught the ball on the sideline right near the grass. Wasn't a catch. I thought it was a catch. Whatever, we'll move on from it. But then Washington punts the ball back to the Eagles. And 30-yard punt from Way, And they got the ball at their 41 flat out cannot happen. I know these last few years, you guys have come to really have a soft spot for Chess Way. When he was here with Nick Sunberg and Dustin Hopkins, they were a pretty good trio of special teamers. He's a pro bowler. And he's a pro bowler for a reason. He's had to punt a lot since he's been in Washington, since coming over years ago. But a 30-yard punt in overtime to give it to them, good return by Britton Covey, but at the 41, I mean, you're trying to pin them deep. I mean, Washington didn't do a ton again on that series. The McLaurin catch would have helped even if Washington didn't do anything those next few plays to get into field goal range or to potentially drive down and score and win that ball game. But a 30-yard punt, it, you just can't have it from special, your special teamers, your best special teamer, and one of your really... It's not great to say as a football team that your punter is one of your best players because if you see him a lot, you're not doing a lot on offense. But Trestway is. And I don't know if he's hurt. I know he's been battling something early this season. But you gotta have better. You gotta have better from your pro bowler there. And everyone should be held to a high expectation. But if you're a pro bowler, you're held to a higher expectation. And in those moments, when other guys are stepping up on either side of the ball, you have to pin that thing as much as you can. At least... Don't let Britton Covey catch it at the 25-30. Don't let him catch it before the 20 or the 15. Boom. Just kick the sh... Kick it, man. Just kick the ball down the field. You cannot have it. And now I know there's such a thing as line drives. Now kicking your coverage. I get it. But Britton Covey is not Ted Gann. He's not Devin Hester. He's not Reggie Bush. Not Deshaun Jackson of old. I mean, you cannot have that there. And that's where special teams are so important. I know people overlook them because they're so caught up in the sexiness of offense and defense. But special teams specifically in that aspect were huge for Washington and really gave Philadelphia that great field position. And ultimately, they won that football game. Now, granted, second and 11 after the first stop on first down, that's when that swing pass came from J- from Hertz to uh, DeAndre Swift, that first down. But then... They have the deep shot to A.J. Brown to try to win that football game. He's not even close. Mixed communication. They call intentional grounding. And the Eagles are 3rd and 17 at that moment in time. 3rd and 17. And if you're Washington there, you don't want to give up more than 6 or 7 yards to force that deep field goal. Because Jake Elliott is one of the best kickers in football, but he doesn't have one of the bigger legs in football. The game winner was 54 yards. I mean, when you creep towards like 52, 53, you're starting to get deep. But now in the NFL, guys, guys are hitting it from 61, 62 with a little bit of consistency from across the league. But giving up 10 yards on that play, I mean, even if they gave up five, that's a 59-yarder there. 59 yards is a huge difference to 54. Now, when they showed that replay and where the ball went through the uprights, that probably would have been good from 56, 57. But when you creep towards that 59 60, they probably still would have attempted it. But Jake Elliott does not have a huge leg. He's more of that that 30 to 51, 52 yard range, is where he's excellent from. Really, 30 to 50. He's excellent. But you can't just give up 10 there. And the coverage that Washington was showing, it really was a, from a schematic perspective, it was what's called a four across coverage to where, from Jalen Hurts' perspective, it's hard to read. Where the corners are, where the safeties are, specifically what depth they're playing. So, four across, you just, it's easy on the outside. Usually, when corners are playing press man, the safeties are high, you know what the depths are from a corners and secondaries perspective. Corners and safeties, excuse me. But when you're running four across, usually it's, that just shows you that they're being extremely soft on the perimeter. And the corners were seven, eight yards off on that third and 17. There's no reason to do that there. If I'm Jack Del Rio, I'm sending a little bit of pressure there, most likely off the arm side of Jalen Hurts to force him to escape to his left to make a tougher throw to maybe he checks it down for three, four yards, but you can't give up 10 in that situation. And then of course he nails that 54 yarder uh, to end that ball game. You can't give up 10 and you can't be as soft in coverage as Washington was, not just in that situation, but in multiple times that afternoon. So All right, guys, I'm going to wrap it up for today. That's going to do it for this episode. A lot, of course, to get into with this game, but hope you guys enjoyed. It's just, I love giving you guys the nuts and bolts of the Washington Commanders, the ins and outs, right, of these games. These wins, these losses, or a tie. Hopefully we don't have any ties this year, but there's just much more that goes into it than just a box score, right? There's just so much more from a personnel, a schematic perspective, a situational football perspective, game script, game... It's just... So many things that go into it. And as much as Washington battled yesterday, there are things to work on. And now, the biggest thing for me, I mentioned at the top, allowing 33 plus points in consecutive games for the second time in the Super Bowl era era for Washington's defense. Last time it happened was 2019. So four years ago, but it's only the second time in the Super Bowl era, era, excuse me, Washington has allowed 33 or more points in consecutive games. Bottom line, 34 points. Defense has to be better. There were times yesterday where the offense didn't keep them off the field. You know, a lot of them at rest, get a breather. But 34 points, after allowing 37, Washington's allowed 71 points the last two weeks. This defense has got to be better. All three levels. Got to be better as they move forward into Thursday night football, hosting the 0-4 Justin Fields led Chicago Bears. So hope, as always, hope you guys enjoyed. Appreciate your time. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. You don't follow me on Twitter already. I'm an underscore Ryan Fowler. My written work is housed at BleacherReport.com. I will have an episode out for you previewing the Chicago Bears. Everything about Matt Eberflus's Chicago Bears. 0-4 winless. They right now, if the draft was to be today, they would have the number one and number two overall picks that number two pick is courtesy of the carolina panthers who have struggled as well but that preview will be out for you guys on wednesday of course before thursday night football where washington will look to get back on the positive foot to move to three and two before playing the atlanta falcons in week six can't believe we're already moving into week five it happens so fast season comes fast though right but Taking it into perspective, Washington, hell of a battle yesterday. Love what I saw for specifically on the offensive side of the ball yesterday from number 14 under center who looks like just a, a, a young ball player to build around moving into these next, not just this year, but moving into 25, 26, the years to come down the road. Just really love what I've seen from Sam Howell when he just gets a little bit of time to sit in the pocket and scan through his progressions. You can see the type of quarterback that he can be both with his arm and with his legs inside this offensive ar- architecture that I really have liked to see improve these last few weeks and how much it's really been unique. Every single defense that Washington has faced, they've done different things on offense, which is always good to see, not getting static on either side of the ball. And from this perspective, with a young quarterback in Sam Howell, that relationship with him with the enemy. Their relationship on the outside is improving with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, and Curtis Samuel. It was great to see Terry, again, 10 targets yesterday. Need more of that from number 17. He's flat out outstanding. You all know that. He's a pro bowl level receiver. He's an all pro level receiver as well. More of that. Lots more of that moving forward. So as always, appreciate you guys' time. I will talk to you on Wednesday to preview the Chicago Bears. I am Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle.